believe this is episode four of Robin's Nest and I welcome everybody. Thank you once again for your support. I really appreciate it. My name is Robin Keplis-Nekowitz and I am a psychotherapist for 30 years and a wife of my anniversary is actually this week, 23 years. And I'm also the mom of two daughters, Arlie and Zoe, ages 21 and nine, uh, 18. I don't want to rush it. Um, and I am the author of a book called Go Take a Bath, a powerful self-care approach to extraordinary parenting available on Amazon. And I hope that you will follow me on my Instagram account, which is robins underscore nest underscore pod. Um, would really appreciate that. And I want to thank everybody so much for the support over these last four weeks. This is a new adventure for me. Um, and I just really appreciate everybody's support. And I got so much good feedback from last episode that we decided to do a take two, part two with Lori Rice Spring, because the feedback that I received was everyone wanted more. So welcome back. Lori, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me back, Robin. Have you had a chance to listen to our last? Of course podcast? I have. And what were your thoughts? It was, I really enjoyed listening to us sort of share our memories from 30 something, almost 30 years. And I just thought it was really great to hear sort of the ups and downs and the true true life experiences of two women yes. in their 50s yes. um, sharing honestly about the wonderful parts the challenging parts and i i'm really excited that we have more time now because yes. there's just much more to say there's so much more to say but i'll tell you one of the pieces of feedback that i did get was that people really enjoyed and i thought it would be kind of boring for people to tell you the truth but it turned out it wasn't People really enjoyed hearing about our humble beginnings with each other. Oh, nice, um, really? Yeah, they That's really great. enjoyed hearing like the, you know, the, the initial competition, at least mm -hmm. on my end of things and how you went from being this person <laughs> that I just was feeling threatened by to a, to a friend once I saw your humanity. You know, it was, um, people really related to that, you know, hearing that, especially my, uh, my older daughter really appreciated oh, hearing that because great. it reminded her of, of some things and and to hear that you can start out that way and then over over yeah. years you know those kinds of initial pieces just kind of fall away yeah anyway so one of the things i thought that we would continue talking about diving right in is covid i cannot imagine day. being any professional person teacher counselor or otherwise at this particular time i mean i just can't even imagine the workload because I know how, I mean, I think the teachers and nurses are cut from a completely different cloth than the rest of us. I mean, I just think that they walk on water anyway. Right. And now add this COVID piece to it. I just, wow. I it's can't even a lot. think about it. I know. And a lot of, you know, it's really important because I know we're talking a lot about um, the, the incredible impact to our mental health that this has, you know, has brought to us in the forefront of our everyday lives. And mm. um, teachers are very stoic creatures. You know, they just keep pushing on. Educators just push through because they're, they're, they've always known they're not gonna have enough of what they need, right? Mm. And so even on a good day, 
Um, they need more supplies or they need more time or they need something and they don't complain. They just push ahead. Right. And that's, I think, to our detriment at some points. And I think right now that's really showing itself that um, teachers are so creative and educators as a whole are so incredibly creative and they are so passionately committed to their students that mm -hmm. facing this challenge, they've become more inventive, more in um, just sort of incredibly imaginative and creative and they're paying the price emotionally because I was gonna say that. they're I was gonna not say able yeah. they're not able to keep we're not and i'll include myself i mean i think teachers work longer hours and harder than counselors but we can't, they're we're not going to be able to sustain this right it's, I mean, it's literally unsustainable going to say it yeah they are wildly creative and they are rising to the occasion right but at what cost right i mean the teachers that i have on my facebook feed i mean i am seeing exhausted right um people who are trying so hard to please everybody right and it's an impossible task i just wish that that teachers could give themselves a break and i hope that parents are giving the teachers a break um, yeah you know, I, that's something that I talk about a lot with um, some of the parents in my practice, um, not just right now, even during COVID, but I mean, there's so many problems, but you know, it's so complicated and heavy because the right. teachers are under so much stress. The counselors are under so much stress. The parents are under <laughs> so much stress. The kids are under so much stress. So it's just, it's so multi-layered and everyone's looking to everyone else for help. The kids yes. are looking at their parents. The parents are looking at the kids. I mean, the, the teachers, the teachers are looking at the counselors. The parents are looking at the counselors. The right. kids are looking at the counselors and everybody is stretched so thin. Everybody that, is stretched. You know, and you know, I just really hope, and I think I even said this last time that everyone gets a pass. Yeah. And I just hope that everybody can really be excruciatingly kind to themselves and to everybody else. I agree. It just happened. I can't remember what it was. But even this, I mean, even this, I was telling you, Lori, right before we started that, you know, the Ikea guy, somebody came to put together our Ikea furniture and they shattered the, the dresser. <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we're going to address it, but I just cannot get myself worked up over it. Like, right. yeah. Things happen. Shit is happening. You know, it's just, yes. it is what it is. And yeah, okay. So you hit the hammer a little too hard. And now both sides of the dresser is, is shattered. We'll, we'll figure it out. Right. You know, but it's, it's just, it's 2020. It I have is. a friend who was trying to get uh, her colonoscopy prep stuff done. Right. And she calls, she drops off her pharmacy, uh, you know, prescription and they call her to tell her that, we don't have it and she's like well i need it for tomorrow i have an appointment and she's they're like well would you like us to call around to other pharmacies and she's like yeah that would be great okay which other pharmacies do you want us to <laughs> i can do that myself but nobody's right. thinking everyone is right. just not right thoughtful about the things right. that they're saying exactly i was curious one thing that we did not get to last time that i definitely wanted to talk about because i noticed it when we got together over the summer when covid was still relatively early mm -hmm. um that you and i even are dealing with covid very differently mm -hmm. um so i thought maybe we could each talk a little bit about how we're each handling covid how we're both feeling about covid and i also wanted to talk a little bit about what i'm seeing in my practice well, I mean, yeah, 
I mean, I, um, I'm just pretty good. I mean, I don't wear a mask outside when I'm walking my dogs on my, in my neighborhood, on my streets, because there's, um, it's not crowded. And mm -hmm. I see one person in 20 minutes and I mm -hmm. can move. But if I were walking down into like the little center city area of my little towns in Delaware County, and I was walking like on the streets of media or something, mm -hmm. I'd be wearing masks the whole time outside mm -hmm. because I'd be passing people closely shoulder to shoulder. Um, so you know, I, um, I haven't gone in anyone else's car. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone in anyone else's home except for one person who lives in my neighborhood is a good, very good friend. And we are outside 90 to 80% of the time. And when I'm inside, I'm masked. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't been, um, restaurants. I will not eat inside only mm -hmm. outside. And I have eaten outside probably three times since March. Okay. Um, I won't go into a bar. Um, my church is online. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm not interested in traveling anywhere. I need to go to Connecticut to see if some family and I'm going to drive up and back for a day. I'm not staying overnight. I mean, I could stay in a hotel if I wanted to, if I'm tired, but I'm not staying with family. Um, even though there's very little virus up in Connecticut, at least where my family is. Right. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I feel there's two, I have two thoughts on it. I, I absolutely don't want to get COVID if I can avoid it. And number two, everybody needs to make sacrifices. And I feel as though if I don't make certain sacrifices and I'm not committed to doing what's good for the group, which is my entire country community, um, I feel like I'm not helping. And I mm -hmm. want to bring, I want to have set good examples for the people around me. Mm -hmm. so I'm committed yeah. to that so again and we said this last time you know you said no judgment about how anyone's handling it and I would say the same I have no judgment toward you or anyone else and how they're handling it um but I'm handling it I guess a little differently than you are um some similarities and some differences um the similarities are that I also do not want to get COVID <laughs> I very much am trying to keep myself and my family safe when my kids come home from college, they have to get a test before they can step foot in the house. Um, and I am masked, you know, if I'm around people, I have not eaten indoors, all of that. Um, I do not wear a mask outside, almost never. Um, I eat outside as often as I possibly can before the weather turns too cold. I'm really worried about that because I'm not comfortable yet eating inside and I don't know that I will at all this winter. I don't have a plan to, but I keep saying, you know, I have, I'm reserving the right to change my mind about absolutely anything because it's 2020 and everybody gets a pass and everybody gets to change their minds minute to minute based on what makes sense for them. Um, I actually felt totally safe on an airplane um, wearing a mask, everyone else wearing a mask, feeling really good about their filtration system, air filtration system and all yeah. of that. Um, when I'm in a car, I am masked, but I do travel with people, but I'll wear a mask. So, um, I don't wipe down groceries and stuff like that. Oh, okay. I don't do I, that. I go to stores regularly. I've been redecorating my house. So I've been in and out of stores. I have been known to leave stores if I see enough people not wearing a mask. Right. If there's a couple people not wearing a mask, I can just steer clear of them. I can just go right. to the opposite end. But when I start to see clusters of people not wearing a mask, I just become enraged. 
Right. And I storm, I storm angrily out of the store. Like, right. what is your problem? You clearly had to wear a mask to get into the store. Right. Just keep the mask on. Correct. You know? So I, I, I definitely, there's a lot of overlap, but you know, like you and I, you know, are handling it differently. And then imagine if we were married and that's what's happening a lot in the couples that I'm working with. I see, sure. It's very interesting. It's yet another thing to fight about <laughs> in right. marriage, you know? It right. used to be what? It used to be just uh, money, money, sex, and uh, what was the other thing? The people Religion? Most... No. No, no, Kids, in marriage. Parents. Yeah, certainly parenting. Yeah. Uh, but now add COVID to the list. Yes. Because um, people are very individual. It really shows you how very individual we are, whether we're married or we're not. Yeah. You know, I always say, you know, we come into this world alone and we'll die alone. It's that basic existential crisis that Irvin Yalom talks about, my hero, um, who's a famous psychiatrist for those people who don't know. Um, but, you know, COVID has really brought out how individual we are, that no matter whether we are just like we come into the world and we die alone, no matter how many years we've been married, no matter how many friends we have, no matter right. how many children we have, we're still going to die alone, which I always use in therapy as a reason, a very compelling reason to do what you want. You are not going to be laying on your deathbed thinking to yourself, well, at least I made my so-and-so happy. At least I didn't have a conflict with, with my mother-in-law. Right. You're going to only care that you lived your life your way. And with COVID though, it gets super complicated when, you know, using that as an example, because you are affecting the person that you're right. living with. Yes. And I have many, many couples, and I don't know whether um, Soren, that's Lori's husband, you know, whether he is right in line with your way of doing things. Larry is, is very much, my husband is very much uh, doing things the same way I am. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of couples who, you know, the wife or the husband are hypervigilant from a COVID perspective yeah. and the spouse is not, and it's causing enormous conflict. I can see why it would. Yeah. How about yeah. you guys? So we're about the same. Okay. We're about the same. Um, but I have shared, uh, you know, I, there was an opportunity for him to travel a little bit, to go up and see a friend. Um, and in a, and I was like, mm, I'm not really comfortable with that. I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm back at work. If I'm out, that would be rough. And I, you know, I'd rather that you not. Mm -hmm. And he did it. He said, okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. because it was extra, I mean, it was, would have been fun for him for sure. Um, but, and it would have been more, probably a lot of outside time together up in, up in nor one of the Northern States, but still I, I was, I'm like, why add more to the house that we don't need to add? Why? this was not like a business trip. Soren did go and see our daughter out in Portland, Oregon in September um, because he, we really wanted to see her. Um, it had been a while. She's on her own out there going to grad school. So mm -hmm. he did get on a plane and go out and see her. And they were, you know, and that to me felt like worth the risk, of course, because we wanted to get our eyes on our kid because it's been a while since we'd seen her and the fires were raging and, you know, she's alone. Right. In the, and so, so I think a lot of it for us is, is it's not been perfect. We've not been perfectly aligned right. in simpatico, but we at least are talking about ways to keep, you know, to be on the same page. Right. Right. But can you imagine, no, you know, how it is for so many people? I, I mean, we're also, I think anxiety is increasing Ooh. now because we're yeah. staring down the barrel of the winter. 
And, you know, and I know for me, um, you know, we're facing holidays without family and I'm willing to make that sacrifice to not see my family because I don't want to bring anything to my family with young nieces and nephews and certainly my older parents. Um, But I'm going to be really sad about that. Mm -hmm. And I hate that I can't, Um, but I I don't want to tempt fate and what, and have a super shredder event and see, you know, you see people be getting sick with, and, and the winter, so the winter time is coming. And I think everybody's anxiety is really increasing. I know I can speak for myself that mine is increasing because we're starting the whole inside process. And we know Absolutely. that science tells us that's going to be a little bit harder for us to manage. Right. But I saw something on the news the other day that I thought I went, wow, like really out, out loud, wow, to the TV. Um, because I thought that this said a lot. And this is and this woman, it was some um, scientist. And the question that was asked of her from the reporter was, would you prefer having a vaccine or a mask? I bet she said mask. She said mask. Yeah. And why I said well to that, aside from all the political vaccine things and who's lining up first to get this vaccine, not me. Um, But separate from that, it just shows you wear a mask. If we're all wearing a mask, we are protected. And from that place of we're all going to wear a mask and be protected, I then wear my mask. I'm with other people who are wearing masks and I am moving on with my life because this isn't going away. I keep saying that this is not going away. This is going, going especially because I'm not getting this vaccine. So I'm not getting this vaccine. Everyone I've talked to said they're not going to be the first person in line for this vaccine either. So what's the end game here? I mean, the only way to prevent this is to wear a mask and to be around people that are wearing masks. And if we're all wearing masks, then we are safe enough to live our lives. That's my personal take on it. So I'm just trying, trying to go out there and live my life, but I'm not, the reason I won't go into a restaurant is because all of our masks are off. We're eating. Well, that's right. If we were not, if our masks, like, I don't understand why we can't go back to Broadway, for example. Why can't Broadway open? We're a very Broadway focused family over here, right? We have Zoe, who's a performer and we're all very into the arts in that way. And I don't understand why they cannot open Broadway, socially distance, every six feet a person, wearing a mask, everyone must wear a mask. If you're not wearing a mask, you're immediately tossed out. Why can't we do that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think we have, I think that that's going to be more possible. And I'm not a scientist, of course, but I think that'll be more possible when our viral loads are lower. I just don't think, and you've got, you've got, you know, Broadway, opening up Broadway means people are going to be traveling to come to Broadway. So they're going to, so yes, it's low, low numbers in in New York city right now, lower, but they're not from Nebraska or Wisconsin and they're going to fly (laughs) in, you know, and they're going to come in and bring their COVID with them. So I just think that um, you can Sorry, do that. Sorry, listeners out there in Nebraska. <laughs> so we're, I'm just saying where the hotspots uh, are right now. And I know. Wisconsin's a huge hotspot. So I think that's the issue. So, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not an easy time. It's it hard. is absolutely not an easy time. And speaking of not easy times, let's move right into the Trump years, shall we? Sure. I, one of the questions that we, I know you want to talk about the vice presidential debate. Um, so we can- we could let, let's start there actually why okay. don't you tell me a little bit about your feelings and then i have a question that i want to ask you all right well i have a, a confession to make okay 
uh, the debate started at nine. Uh-huh. I only made it to nine forty-five. Oh, okay. Because I was screaming so loudly <laughs> at the television because I was so angry at the moderator mm. and so angry at Pence for interrupting. Uh-huh. And if I heard, please, Mr. Vice President, or thank Oops. you, Mr. Vice President, uh-huh. one more time, yeah, um, my television was in jeopardy. <laughs> so my windows were open. It was 9.45. I was screaming at the television. Mm-hmm. My dogs were agitated because I was yelling. And my husband closed the windows and said, I think it might be time <laughs> for you to go. <laughs> so, so then the next day, my coworker sent me a Cardi B um, a TikTok <laughs> with her screaming at the television, <laughs> banging on the television and putting her hand on top of Pence's face. And I thought, yeah, that was me. So wow. it was, it was um, I had an incredibly strong reaction to wow. um, how Kamala had to, you know, walk this incredible tightrope with a smile on her face because yeah. We can't have a strong woman be too aggressive, especially or too woman. assertive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the smile that she had, and I think to myself, what must she have been thinking, and yeah. how incredibly strong she was to be yeah. able to continue to be clear mm-hmm. and focused when all I wanted to do was just become physically violent because I was so upset with her. Just that that corner she's been blocked into, mm-hmm. but also by the moderator not finding her voice and sharing yeah. and, and and raising her voice and and saying yeah. this is the limit. So I don't understand, and, and and I'm asking this as a serious question. Why can't we just um, cut the mics off after the two minutes? I've never done that though. Why why can't they? Though? I there's I don't think that it's not that they can't. Um, the, the committee, the debate committee, the debate commission was talking about that afterward, after the Trump debate about mm-hmm. some, some new changes to the format and whatnot, but mm-hmm. historically they've just never done it that way. And how do you feel about the fact that there's probably not going to be another presidential debate? I'm disappointed that, um, <laughs> really? I'm no, I mean, I didn't want to listen to it relieved. again, I'm but so I, relieved. but I wanted, you know, I want I think Biden's going to have some kind of town hall instead, right? Some some way. Yeah, which I think is much better. Right. Oh, it it certainly is. Yeah. Let's get, you know, let's hear what they both have to say, not Mm -hmm. fight with each other. I mean, I I can't listen to that again. No. And how did you feel about the Supreme Court stuff that's going on? Well, I was too busy to listen or look through my Twitter today um, from at work about all that was happening on the floor. Um, Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm incensed by the by this whole crap and um the the thought that um i'm angry at the um journalists now who are promoting this ridiculous question of is biden going to stack the court that should just be completely sidestepped and, and ignored because that's not what's happening and what happened is that you know we were bamboozled out of the last hundred seats and a Supreme Court justice. Mm-hmm. So uh, when Obama was president, and mm-hmm. this is a, an obscene experience. They can't obscene. get they can't get money to people who are being evicted because they have no jobs because of COVID. The Congress can't push through that, but they have time to devote all of their attention to this it's nonsense. Sick. It's so, so sick. It's, it's it's really it's, challenging for me to talk about. It's beyond the pale. I mean, I can, I 
personally struggle to talk about it. Because when people even ask me simple questions like, um, you know, what do you think about it? My rage and my emotions are so incredibly overwhelming that I can't yes. find my words. I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin to explain to somebody why it is not okay. I was walking with a friend who was talking about, um, you know, well, each, each whoever's in part, whoever's in power has the right to, you know, do this Supreme Court nomination, blah, blah, blah. Right, exactly. We were, uh, yes. Except, oh, that's fine and that's great, except that's not what happened. Right. So, okay, but is it going to be tit for tat? Well, yes. There's fair. We, I mean, I don't understand. Yes. What would you like us to do? I mean, it feels like, you know, we're just going to bulldoze over you and you're just going to be quiet. You're not going to have be allowed to have any reaction to that, whether it's right. stacking the court, which seems reasonable, given the fact that we're now, we now have two seats that have been stolen from us. F and Kavanaugh, who I, I, I was for me, the darkest part of Trump's presidency, yes, that that yes. man was put on the court. It makes me sick to my stomach. I can't even talk about it without getting emotional. That to me, I mean, that and probably the kids in cages were the darkest times for me over the last four years. Uh, but now again, we're going, they're going to put a second person on after they stole the Merrick Garland. Yes. You yes. got to be kidding me. I can't even talk about it. I can't I even talk to anybody about it in a way <clears throat> that is calm because I don't feel calm about it. No, I'm not calm at all. But I, I don't know what people expect us to do. I don't so know like either. when people are like, are you going to stack the court? Are you going to stack the court? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I sure as hell hope so. How right. else are we going to make things even again? The whole point of the Supreme Court is that it's supposed to be relatively right. even to have that tension back and forth of a Democratic and a Republican perspective. Correct. Right? So Correct. we don't have that. We're not going to have no. that after this woman is, um, Amy no. is confirmed. So Correct. I, I sure as hell hope so. And, going on record and we have to watch it unfold and it's incredibly um it i feel so powerless in the process um watching it unfold hmm. i can't do anything about it other than i already voted i sent my ballot back oh wow but it's yeah so i hear you yeah it's so upsetting what are you thinking is going to happen on election With, day. Uh, my first question is, what do you think the outcome is going to be? And the second question, probably even more important, no, not more important, but just as important, is what do you think the reaction of the um, community is going to be? Society. Um, what's the reaction of the society going to be? Well, first, like, what do okay, you think is going to so, happen? Do you think Biden's going to win? Well, you know, if I go science by the science and the polls, and the number of people who have turned out and the number of ballots that have already been cast, the numbers are astronomically, I mean, 10 times what were cast by mail and absentee from four years ago. Mm -hmm. And then within those breakdowns, it's three to one Democrat to Republican. Okay, so you're feeling good. So, yes, <laughs> but I was feeling good before. Right. Four years ago. Right. So. If I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I believe Biden's going to win and I believe it's going to be a pretty big win. Okay. But I don't- We know that on election night. 
We will not know that on election night. So here's my prediction. I believe that Trump is going to claim victory on election night, Mm -hmm. regardless of the count. I believe he is going to, he's already sowed the seeds, sown the seeds for claiming it to be a, a cheat. Right. And that we have bambled, you know, taken over and, mm-hmm. and it's all fraud. So I believe he will um, get his proud boys armed and ready. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there's going to be violence. I believe there's going to be violence regardless of whether he wins or whether he loses. Right. So let's start with the fact that I'm working the polls. Um, should I be concerned? Because people are telling me I should not be working the polls because um, it's not going to be safe. But no, I'm there to ensure that it is safe. Yeah, but you have no power to make it safe other than you're watching. I mean, you're just watching people. Um, you're, you're monitoring and you will report to somebody. I'm sure you're going to have phone numbers on your person. There are, there yeah. are PA blue phone numbers you can call for voting irregularities and poll watching dates and stuff like that. So you're going to be watching and seeing what's happening and recording things and making mm-hmm. notes of things. But I, you think I, would, that I should be concerned about any violence at the polls. No. Okay. I don't think so. I, I wouldn't so be. Either. No, I wouldn't be. If I didn't have in service that day, I would be doing it myself. But um, I'm just doing lots of phone banking between now and then. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I think there's going to be violence in some ways. I'm not. Uh, I would not be surprised. I just hope there isn't, but I would not be surprised because he's already setting the stage. I mean, mm-hmm. in my mind, he incited the violence that led to the near kidnapping and murder of right. Michigan's governor. So right. it, there is no jump to this. It's. Right. His words matter and he knows who he's talking to and they know who he's talking about. Correct. So So when you say violence, like you think that on election night, people are going to come out like with guns? Like what do you think's going to happen? I don't know. I think there's going to be protests. I think there's going to be mayhem and some protesting happening right away. Mm -hmm. And I, and then I think it's going to be the wild west Mm -hmm. from election night to inauguration. What about, um, Do you think he's going to leave if he loses? Um, when he loses? When he loses, do I think he's going to leave? And if not, how are they getting him out of there? I don't know. I, I haven't thought about that. I mean, I I've thought about it, but it's I. It's all Bill Maher talks about. I know. I don't know what I think will happen. I think that he, I think that um, it, when he loses, I think that his support system, his minions and his Mm -hmm. enablers are all going to start jumping ship because they have, they don't have fake millions of dollars, neither does Mm -hmm. he, but they need to find their next place to land. So So you think that they'll abandon him? I think so. And I think at that point, then they're going to start really talking about what they've seen to save themselves. Because when he's done, the indictments will start rolling. The only thing that's getting me to sleep every night. And I hope so. I so hope that Sally Yates is the new AG. And she's the one that says, and this, and this, and this. I want it to be uh, Elizabeth Warren. I think she's too important in the Senate. And I Mm. think she's got, I think she's got other fish to fry. I think that AG um, uh, Sally Yates is, or or AG Susan Rice, or Mm. maybe Ambassador, uh, you know, yeah. So, We got lots to choose from. Yeah. Lots of really good people. If if he really does go to prison, that will be a happy, happy day. Yes, I know. Well, yes. That will be be sweet, sweet justice. 
Okay, moving on to our, well, we have three other topics and 15 minutes, so let's okay. see what we can do. All right. Um, parenting. Um, I thought about, remember, if you remember last week, I was saying to you that I could not remember this other piece of parenting advice that was given to me mm-hmm. that I wanted to share with our listeners. Yes. What um, was it? I remembered it finally. It took uh, about four days. Okay. Well, that's, that's the next topic, which is health health in the 50s. Absolutely. Um, The best parenting advice that one of the pieces of parenting advice that I got that I thought I talked last time about um, that, you know, that reservoir of feeling that that love that you feel when your child is born, that somebody pointed out to me that that same reservoir, that depth of feeling is true, no matter what the feeling is when you're dealing with your child, whether it's the depth of love or the depth of anger or the depth of pride or joy or disappointment. So that was one thing that was like, wow, that, that really turned, into be, turned out to be true. The other thing was, I remember, and this actually came from Larry's cousin, Alan. So if he's listening, shout out to cousin Alan. Um, he, his kids are older than my kids. And when his kids were getting ready to learn how to drive, my kids were like four and eight years old, something like that, four and seven. And the idea of my child, this person that I grew inside my body, ever being put at the wheel of a car and saying, see you later, call me when you get there. Like I could not wrap my brain around it. And he, here he was at the age where he was sending his kids out into the world, you know, driving. And I said to him, I do not know how you do that. I can't imagine putting my kids at age 16 behind the wheel of a car, which is like a death machine as far as I'm concerned. And then just hoping for the best. You know, like, you know, do your best and I hope you get there and, you know, all that. And he said to me, that really turned into the truth that at every stage of your child's life, you are ready. So, for example, when they go to kindergarten, you are so ready for school. You've been, you know, parenting for the last five years, full time in your house, preschool, whatever. And then when it's finally time for school, you're ready to stop paying preschool prices. You're tired of being home with them full time. You're ready for kindergarten. And when you're, when they're old enough to drive, he said, you're going to be so tired of driving them. You have been driving them for 16 years. You know, by the time you're 16, they're going all over the place, whether it's sports and friends and drama or whatever it is. And when they go to college, the thought of them leaving the house right now is overwhelming. But at that time, you're going to be Mm -hmm. like, buh, bye. Yes. Text me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it is really the truth. And I couldn't really see that at that time. Did you have that experience or no? Oh, I absolutely did. Yes. There was definitely some fam from friends of mine who didn't feel ready or didn't want their child to go to school or they cried when they started kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget. I was pregnant with Torben when Olivia, when Gracie went to kindergarten and or first grade, maybe it was first grade. Uh, they're six years apart, so that makes sense if it was first grade. And I remember coming home and I was really tired. And everyone was like, What did you do? The house is empty. And I'm like, I took a bath and I took a bath. And I was so happy mm-hmm. that I had that time to just, you know, yeah. be with myself. So yeah. I can really relate to that experience of um, 
being ready for them to take on the next the move. next step right absolutely and it's, and it's not i mean I, I love my kids, like to the core of my soul. And I, I'm just looking forward to the next stage of parenting. Right. Like you never stop parenting, but you go from like being, you know, a day-to-day -day person of parenting to more of a coach, right? you know, someone that they just kind of call on for some Absolutely. advice and then they go back into the game. Right. So, and I'm ready for that next stage. That's it's, how I feel. And, and yeah. they're ready. Right. They're ready. Of course. Of course. Um, so let's talk about our mothers for a minute. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is just being 50 or 50s. We're not 50. We're I'm in our 50s. You. We are, I'm in my 50s. I'm 55. Yeah, we're deep into our 50s. Yeah, we're <laughs> You're in. a little deeper. I'm a little, we're a little deeper. deeper, not much. Um, and what that's like and what are some of the life issues that we're dealing with um, as middle-aged women? or past middle age, I guess. With, with, you mean regarding our moms yeah. specifically well, or just in general? Well, what? in general. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about what you're going through with your mom. Right. So I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't like the term, but people, women our age are called the sandwich generation because often we're still parenting and also taking care of older family members or old, older parents. Mm -hmm. um, so I had my kids really young. So mine are, you know, I'm not sandwiching on that end. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, you know, I, I'm, I'm really missing my mom. My mom is a late stages of Alzheimer's and she's in a nursing home and has been in, in Connecticut where I'm originally from since um, 2000, January, 2015. So it's incredible to think about her being in a nursing home for five years. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I have waves, waves of emotion um, sort of fall over me at times I'm not expecting it. Um, I'll look in the mirror and I have a, um, a, a facial expression that looks like her, or I'll look at my hands sometimes and they look a lot like my mom's. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I miss her because she was early onset Alzheimer's. Her mother was early onset, uh, onset Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, my mom became ill really in her late sixties and she's only 78 years old. So she's wow. been actively in her disease for almost 10 years now. Okay. And, um, does she recognize yeah. you at all? Oh no, my mom's not verbal anymore. Okay. Yeah. Wow. She's pretty far into her disease. So she hasn't recognized us for probably four years. Wow. Um, and so it's sad because obviously I, I miss her. I miss the time. It's just, I feel cheated. Um, mm -hmm. that I miss all these times that I could be, you know, talking with her. And I see someone like Hillary Clinton and I see how she's not much younger than my mother. Um, and she was, she should have been the president. And so she would have, you know, she's completely together and it's just sad. And so I find myself at times really feeling a lot of guilt because I, I don't, I haven't seen my mom since her birthday, which was last December because I usually go up about every three months to Connecticut. I visit my family and I'll go and see her. Um, and then COVID hit. And so I haven't been up since, um, so I haven't seen her. Wow. And not that she knows I haven't seen her, of course. Right, um, right. But I have an intense amount of guilt that my life has just gone on unchanged and unchecked wow. from her disease. And I think to myself that I, I believe in my heart that she wouldn't want me to be giving up my career to take care of her um, or have her live with me or have her move, you know, I, it's not even tenable at this point of her disease anyway. Yeah. Um, but it, 
you know, my sister did make some sacrifices and have her with her for about a year and a half as she fell into her disease enough that she didn't really know where she was anyway. And so it was time to put her in a nursing home because she was unsafe at that point. Yeah. It's just hard to, there's just moments when I'm just overwhelmed with grief about that, that my life is going on and hers and, and she's, and I don't, nothing about my life has been impacted at this point, physically and emo, like time-wise and financially, you know, she's on Medicaid, she has nothing. She's completely supported by the, by the government in her nursing home. Yeah. And it just feels like, did I do enough? Did I spend enough time? Did I do enough? And yeah. I know you appreciate that sacrifice doesn't mean commitment. Like right. sacrificing myself doesn't mean I'm gonna be a better daughter. Right. In fact, so, I'm a big believer, as you know, in boundaries. Right. You know, and that the way you can most honor your mom is to only go up when you really have the energy to go up right. so that she can experience you even in whatever state she's in. She can feel your energy as one of authentic, yeah. um, really wanting to be there uh, rather than an obligatory um, I should be here. There's right. a very big difference. And I'm a big believer in quality over quantity. Um, but I can really relate, you know, just from a mom perspective, you know, my mom died in 2012. You know, we struggled a lot in our relationship over the years. And our relationship really, really got really good at the end of her life, only for her to die. Um, so I also feel very cheated in that way, but I'm, I, I sort of really spend most of my energy when I think about my mom in enormous gratitude that we were able to really come to terms um, with, you know, I really forgave my mom for the things that she did um, that really affected me in my life because mm -hmm. as a spiritual person, I really really believe that because of my mother's struggles and all of the things that I had to deal with growing up, um, including my mother's addiction, um, it really made me the woman that I am today and the mother that I am today, not in a traditional way, not in the, oh, I want to be a mom just like you. But, you know, my mom was a very real person. She had many wonderful, wonderful qualities. Um, and she had a lot of struggle in her life. Um, and I learned from all of it. You know, my mom was a very good person. She was a very loving, loving human being. And so I learned that piece from her, but I also didn't want to take the other parts that I didn't like, right. you know, like, um, you know, the fact that she left her children or, um, you know, my mom had an addiction, you know, I'm somebody who doesn't drink at all, you know, because I don't really want to you know, addiction runs in my family and I don't want to take those kinds of chances right. and I want to role model for my children um, not drinking and not using drugs because addiction runs in my family and I don't right. want to take any risks in that way. We are really running out of time yet again and we have <gasps> two other major topics. So let's hmm. let's run through them. Okay. Um, I really wanted to talk about feminism for a minute. Let, let's keep it to like two or three minutes. Because, okay. But, you know, you, I really wanted you to know, and I've been telling everybody this this week after they've heard our podcast, that you are, you talked last week about, you know, me really being a helpful part of your parenting journey. And you have been a humongous part of my feminism journey. Oh, wow. And it started, and I must tell this story. 
it started when we were friends when we were much younger and our children were much younger and we were um, on a beach together. I'm sure I've told you this story many times. I love your stories, it? Robin. Okay, I'm not sure. You've got lots of stories. Okay. Let's hear it. This particular story was that we were on a beach together. It was probably the only time we ever went to the beach together other than when we were in Florida. And you came to um, the beach and we were with our two daughters, which were the only two kids born at the time. And we were having trouble getting the umbrella into the sand. Okay, so I remember this okay, story. Remember this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're having trouble getting our umbrella into the sands because, you know, we are strong women emotionally, but we were not necessarily strong women physically at the time. And we were really like having trouble with this umbrella. And then yeah. there were these two really strong men nearby. And I just said to you without thinking twice about it, let's go ask those guys if they'll help us with our umbrella. Uh -huh. And you looked at me and you were like, over my dead body am I going to ask a man to help me with an umbrella in front of my daughter <laughs> and I just was like oh my god okay I'm sorry I'm sorry but you you know I have to say of all the women in my life you have been the strongest feminist influence in my life um of being unapologetically present like here I am and I am not, and here are my thoughts and here are my opinions and I'm not going to apologize for them. I'm not going to back down off of it. And I know that over the years, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about how people have reactions to that yeah. all the time. Yeah. People are absolutely not comfortable with having a strong woman in the room. And I know that there are people that may be listening to this who don't agree but I can only speak from my own personal experience. And I know Lori, you can speak to this as well, that when you are a strong woman who has an opinion and isn't afraid to share it, and often maybe it's not the popular opinion, yes, people have a really big reaction to that. Yes. What has your experience been? That, that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not rude, but I am not apologetic. So, but, but I'm not rude either. No, people, I know. People no, you're take not. it. Right. The word that is often used to describe me when people are having a reaction is abrasive. Right. And when I ask what is abrasive about what I'm saying, right. all they can tell me is that I'm too honest. Right. Right. I'm too direct. Correct. That's not abrasive. That's just right. honest and direct. Correct. But you're yeah. feeling abrasive. So yes. you're having a reaction to my honest and direct approach. That but is true. There's nothing abrasive about what I'm saying. No, but it's I'm not mean spirited. It, but it's not. Um, it's not what we're taught to. It's not how we're taught to behave. Correct. Um, and so I try to mirror that. Well, I've mirrored it for my daughters, I hope, and I try to mirror it for my um, female students um, as well when they apologize for asking me extra questions because they have they want clarity. And I always tell them either in email or Zoom or face to face when we used to see each other don't apologize for getting what you need or right. asking for what you need. And right. so that starts in the classroom. I'll give a lot of credit to the, you know, my undergraduate women's studies minor because mm -hmm. I really learned about feminist theory there. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, that's meaningful to me to hear what your perception of, of me as a younger woman with a younger, mm -hmm. with younger kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. I always looked way. up to you. I always looked up to you and I still look up to you in that way. 
Thank you. Absolutely. So let's just tell the listeners that at some point in the future, um, maybe in December, we will do a part three Wonderful. of our trilogy. I would um, love it. Okay. And we will talk about all of these things. And by December, we will have our reactions oh, to no. the election and all of that. What's okay. going on there? That's, that's a great, that's wonderful. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you right. so much again for Thanks giving for me so me, much Robin. time. I really appreciate it. And again, I ask everybody to please follow me on Instagram at Robins underscore nest underscore pod and also on Facebook at Parent Assist. And please subscribe to this podcast. I would really appreciate it. And tell your friends for sure, please. And if you enjoyed it, if you didn't enjoy it, tell nobody. (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Let's just keep it between the three of us. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Robin. Take care.